the Open Source Creative Podcast, Episode 26, How to Make a Living as an Open Source Creative. This is the Open Source Creative Podcast, a podcast where I ramble on about creativity, process, and open source software during my work commute. I'm Jason Van Gumster, your host and driver. Good day! First things first, the results are in for the Open Source Creative's new domain name. It was an interesting race. The .world TLD took an early lead, but eventually it got surpassed by the good old tridentrue.org TLD. So, thanks to everyone who took part in the poll, I most sincerely definitely appreciate it. Um, migrating the podcast is going to take a little while, but when the site's ready, I'll definitely give advance warning so you can update your RSS feeds and, and all that jazz. I'll probably give the links to early previews on my newsletter, so if you're interested in that, definitely go and, and do the subscribing thing there. The domain again will officially be opensourcecreative.org Oh, I should I should also warn you that there's a better than 50 chan- 50% chance that um, there'll be no podcast episode next week. I'll be doing some travel things and I fear network access will be very spotty, so getting a show uploaded will be kind of dodgy. Uh, there's always a chance I could be wrong or that I'll make the time to record an episode in advance, but I, I figured I should warn you regardless. So, this episode, it's all about making a living earning a living as an open source creative. I've gotten into a few discussions recently with people who still think for some reason that it can't be done, so hopefully in the future I can simply point to this episode as part of my rebuttal. And beyond that selfish reason, hopefully you know you can find some information in there helpful as well. Anyhow, let's get on with it. Oh, we're going to toast marshmallows, are we? Could be. Hello, 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 hello. Hello. <laughs> I gotta. I need a consistent opening. My closings are pretty. Eh, but my openings, I could probably use a little work at the beginning of these things. I always struggle sometimes trying to figure out exactly the right way I want to start. But you know, thank you for sticking with me. Good day. So, thanks. I wanted to do a quick thank you for everyone who who uh, talked to me about. About the last episode, give me feedback, and, and this is going to spin off from that just a little bit. I realized though, between some of the feedback I got uh, the, from the last episode and some of the uh, discuss- some discussions I've had offline, or at least online, or not on the episode, not specifically related to this podcast. Apparently, you know, people have conversations and discussions that don't involve this podcast. I had no idea. In, in any case, it's 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 come to my attention, and I've I've addressed this previously, but I addressed it years ago, and the before the the hiatus. But there there is this misconception that it is not possible to make a living as a creative person who uses open source software or exclusively uses open source software uh, that's that's the uh, misconception is the best word I can have for it because it's it's patently false and I'm I'm kind of an example of that now 
part of this also was a, was a conversation that I had during the 24-hour Hacker Public Radio uh, New Year's show, which I'm, I'm, I think those episodes are actually going to eventually find their way onto Hacker Public Radio, but for the time being, that was just a live stream. But they came up in that conversation, and it relates to the, it also, I'll, I'm going to get to it, but it relates to the, the open content thing I was talking about last episode. And it's the, the again, it's the impression, it's the, the misconception that, that it is not possible as a, as a, as a person in a creative field to, to earn a living using, using the, the, your preferred tools. I'll say just like any other field or just like all, just creative field in general is tough to make a living period. Most fields that require any level of skill, sometimes they, they, they take a bit of effort, right? So using, as someone who uses open source tools, especially if you use them exclusively, that that might complicate matters for you. I'm not going to dispute that, but it's not impossible. I'm going to outline the the various and sundry ways that a person could make a living using open source tools. And the first one is 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 pretty obvious. Well, maybe maybe it's not obvious. I should I should not make the assumption that any of these are obvious based on the conversations I've been having, but the the first one is work for somebody else, and and a lot of these are just like standard job practice things why not you your choice your your general case you have two choices right you're either going to be as a creative person you're either going to be creating content for somebody else or you're going to be creating your own content and trying to find ways to sell that that that's unless that's if you're trying to make a living doing if you're if you're if you're doing creative work as a hobby then then none of this applies to you right because you're 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 doing it as a hobby. You're not you're not trying to make a living off of it. And that's that's a different use case altogether. And there's nothing wrong with it. Just a different use case than, than what I'm talking about. So if you're on the making content for other people side of things, which you know is what most people refer to as a job, and is what a lot of, regardless of where you, whether you're using creative um, open source tools or not, it's it's that's the route that that most creative people will take. That working in a studio or working in a company using your tools to produce content for them. Uh, you could be a, a designer, you could be a, an audio person, you could be video, I mean, really, whatever whatever the market allows. Now, there are some caveats to this, right? So, for instance, if you're working in a larger company, then they like, unless you're like starting the department or, or getting in on the ground floor, if you're, if you're working in a larger company, they already probably have a pipeline already put in place. They already have the tools that they prefer to use. You you will use, pick a tool, right? If you're in audio, you're gonna use the. We want you to use Pro Tools. We want if you're in 3D, we if you want to, we want you to animate in, in in Maya. We want you to do hand-drawn animation in Toon Boom or or Adobe Animate, right? Those those are gonna be those sort of things. So obviously as an open source creative, those jobs might not be available to you. So your your choices are, well, one is is don't work for big companies, right? Uh, and some people have philosophical problems with large companies. I'm, I'm not one of those people, but so maybe it's easy for some people to, to make that choice. I'm not gonna work for a large company because I don't like large companies. That's that's a choice some people make. And that, that means that that does make it easier for you as an open source creative because 
smaller companies tend to be a little bit more flexible about the tools that you're that you can use you know they'll have there's like an inflection point like really 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 large companies as long as you can fit into their pipeline somehow they don't and your files will, will, will jive with theirs they actually don't care if you use open source tools and very 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 small companies are the same sort of boat they they don't they, they'll, they'll be flexible then they, they might care but they'll be flexible because they're smaller companies the mid-sized companies are the tougher ones to work with because often they're they're, they're 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 that weird middle ground where they 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 care <laughs> They have the they have their pipeline. They know they're efficient with that, and and so that that does limit your opportunities for for work on that front. I'm, there's there's no disputing that. And so what that also means is that there is a I believe a just like there's a particular type of person or a particular type of mindset that has an affinity for for entrepreneurialism. Like not everybody's cut out to start their own business. The same thing goes for being an open source creative. Not everybody, I mean, saying cut out's the wrong word. It's, just, it's not like people who are entrepreneur, entrepreneurs are better than others, or people who are open source creatives are 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 better than, than people who use proprietary tools. It's just, there's a particular mindset that has an affinity. It's a particular type of person who has an affinity for, for the types of tools that, in my case, I for that I like to use. That same sort of person may inherently want to work not at a, in, in, in a larger shop. The other thing, just for me, the real reason why I've never wanted to work in really, really large shops, especially when it comes to like animation and whatnot, is that I've, I don't wanna, I'm personally not interested in working on just one thing for a long time. I, 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 I have a variety, I like, I, animation is where my passion is, but I do like design. I do like, obviously, sound from the, from the audio, of this this podcast, which you know, I'm in a car, so audio is not great, but you get the idea. I have I have an interesting interest in sound editing. I have an interest in video painting. You know, my, my interests vary, and when you're working in a in a in a, in a larger company, you, you obviously are more specialized, oftentimes. So that's one way, and that's I, I I dare say that's probably the most common way that that someone makes money as a creative or. And especially as an open source creative, you you end up working for for somebody else. Now, specific to open source, I'll, I'll tell you a few things that can help you have the ability to use the tools you want to use in in a, in in a company. One of them is the kind of it. It sounds stupidly obvious, but be really good, <laughs> right? Be be really good at using your tools. Be you know because at the end of the day. People don't care how you did something. Most people don't care how you did something. Most of them care that you did it and what that final result looks like. So be really good at it. If you're really good at it, then you can either, you, you show that you can fit in, their, in someone else's pipeline and learn their tools because you're, you're really good. Or if you do some of these other things I'm gonna say, then you can mold the department that you're that you're getting into. And then what I'm getting at is a lot of people who are creatives, creative types, the people who want to make creative content. A lot of us have a mindset that that exclusively looks at the entertainment field, right? Looks at entertainment and marketing, I guess, are the two places where people with a with a creative mindset tend to gravitate. And I think by and large, that, that might be a mistake. 
to, to, to lean in that direction in general, but specifically as well as, as, as someone who wants to use open source tools. Now, what do I mean by, by, by entertainment and advertising? I mean television, film, video games on a large scale. Uh, I'm talking about advertising agencies and, and those sorts of things. Those or, or production studios for advertising, right? Those, those sort of things. Yeah, they, they need, they're obvious that they need creative content because that everybody sees that, right? Everybody, not everybody necessarily, but in the, in the, the Western world and first world or whatever nomenclature you want to use, people know what television is. People know what, what film is. People know what advertising is. The purpose of these, these forms of media is to get in your face and let you know that they exist right that's that's their whole intent that's their whole purpose that's what they're there for but they're not the only outlet for for your creativity if you're if you're looking to make an income doing creative work and you're doing it for somebody else you're making content of some sort for somebody else then your 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 market the people who you can do work for is much wider is much larger than the entertainment industry and the advertising industries just be, again just because they're the most obvious they, they're, they're, they may not necessarily be the best choice or the right choice for you, uh, especially for for the fact that they're so obvious. That means that the 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 competition to get into those those fields is is, is immense. And I'm not saying that that I'm not trying to diminish the skill of people who don't go into that industry because that's that's not what I'm trying to do. I'm just saying that it's tougher to do, to 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 find your place to find your home and not get burnt out by that industry, right? There's there's so many stories, especially in the video game and the visual effects industries, with people who you go in, they do their thing, and they just get burnt right the hell on out because the the people hiring them, the companies hiring them, know that, well, by and large, the people they hire are expendable because there's so many people who want in those industries. So think outside, we're, <laughs> I'm, I was, I'm really trying to avoid a cliche, but I, I'm not, I can't avoid it. As a creative person, think outside of the box about the places that you can apply your creativity. You, the design and, and I'll just say design, but design and art and, and, and creative output exists everywhere in our world. There's, there's no better time to be a creative person than now. I mean, we're, 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 we're in a place where, yeah, I mean, part of it, this, this does dovetail a little bit in the marketing side of things, but, you know, website designers have a whole realm of, of things going on for them where you can, you're not just doing HTML or, or like, but you're, you're talking, like, people are, are doing, you know, animations on their sites as part of the design, kinetic design that moves, like, motion graphics sort of stuff that you would see in television and commercials, they're on websites. Hell, it's on money now. <laughs> uh, but you, you see, you see design actually it's not, I mean, kinetics is, has been a recent addition to, to, to money, but money's always been designed. Hell, uh, state seals and flags and those sort of things. Those are all designed. And a lot of the times, a lot of the time, not a lot of the times, a lot of the time that sort of thing isn't outsourced, isn't freelance, that's, that's handled in-house, either for security reasons or just for wanting to control, full control of the intellectual property. There's, there's all sorts of reasons why a company would want to have a creative person on site 
to do design, to do graphics, to do even, even sound and sound design, these sorts of things. There's all sorts of different little nooks and crannies. You just have to look for them. The nice thing about these sorts of gigs is that even if they're in a, a larger company that's not in the traditional creative content producing industries and you're still producing creative work in those in those companies, even if they're a larger company, your, your, your division, your section of that company is gonna be relatively small, which means you have a lot of control over the tools that you choose to use. And you have a lot of control over the things, you have more control a little bit over the, over the things you wanna make and how you wanna make them, which is very appealing to at least to somebody like me. So that's, that's one route. Work for somebody else and, and really, and this goes, I'll tell you and say, work for, you, you can work for somebody else and, you, and if, you, if you target industries that are, are, you wouldn't necessarily think of as places where, where, where design is at the forefront, right? Because they're, they're, they're not as obvious. They wanna be subtle. They wanna be part of, of, of the existing world and they don't necessarily wanna jump on your face like advertising. It's a weird way of putting it, but that you, you get the idea. You, the design doesn't have to slap you in the face. Design can be subtle and good design, like good visual effects, if it's really good and effective, you never even knew it was there. It just did its job, right? That's, that's, that's good. Same thing goes, the next thing, next sort of realm on the creating content for other people, and it's the same, same basic advice really, is on the freelance side of things. Now, again, not everybody, not everybody is suited for free, not suited, again, suited is such a weird word. I don't really have the right word for it. Suited or, or, or has the right, like personal affinity. It's, it's a mindset sort of thing. Not everybody has, has, a, has a mindset that aligns well with freelancing and, and entrepreneurialism and, and those sort of things. And so if your mind isn't there, then you definitely want to work for somebody else. Right, you want you want to do the, the working for somebody else thing, and take those opportunities and look for where you, where you can do it. But at the same time, if you can stomach freelancing, again, my my choice of words is, I'll stop apologizing. If you if you can stomach freelancing, which which is an amazing way to go in some in some respects, it's it's challenging because you're not just creating at that point. You're not just a creative person. You're you're also a business person, right? You have to think like a business person as well as a creative person. And that's where some of the challenges come in there. But the trade-off is you have a whole lot more flexibility and a whole lot more personal choice in who you work for or who you're doing work with. I like to, when I, when I, when I do freelance and when I did freelance a lot more in the past, I didn't really think of it as, as people I work for, as people I work with, as companies I work with. Um, and, and that's, that's the way I tend to think of it is, is working together with with bunches of different people to to achieve whatever they need using your creative skills and by doing that you get to choose one you choose who you work for that goes again regardless of whether you're using open source tools or proprietary tools or whatever you choose who your customers are and uh even if you're using proprietary tools sometimes you got to fire a customer because they're a shitty customer and it's something that happens right but you also get to dictate your tool set and when you're working directly with an end client with an end customer most of the time they have no care in the world what you used to make it all they care about is what that final result looks like so if you're if you're if you're producing a television commercial again 
going on the advertising side of things just because it's an easy and obvious example. If you're producing a television commercial, they don't care what you edited it in. They don't care what you created the audio in. They don't care what you shot it with. They don't care what you made the graphics with. They care that they had a good commercial or at least a memorable one. That's a whole other rant. I'll get into that one some other time about the, the, the strange appeal of cheeseball horrible commercials and, and why they exist. It's, it's amazing, actually. I'll get to that, but I don't want to digress. I want to keep on this topic for a second or for the rest of the show. But there, 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 there are, just like when you work for somebody else and you in a large company or a, a larger company and they have their own pipeline, if you freelance... But your freelancing is not an end product. You're producing something as part of a pipeline. The classic example of this is going to be sound design or audio engineering and, and that sort of thing. Then a lot of the time, even print design, I, would, I, would, I might go so far as to say print design. Uh, a lot of the time, your customer is expect is their their pipeline is built. You know, if if you're sending them, if you're working in audio, your customer may not want just a sound file. They actually may want the track separated and, and so they can do a final cut, final final mix on their own. If that's the case, you have to be able to get your get your edit out into a format that, that, that jibes with them. And on the audio side of things, that's gonna be Pro Tools. And unfortunately, there's no free, free software options that will output Pro Tools. And this is why it's so important in general for there to be stamp, standard formats or, or good interoperability formats because vendor lock-in absolutely sucks and it, it's i talked about i talked about in a, a previous episode i can't even remember the number but in 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 a previous episode where i talked about the 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 question about undervaluing someone's work by giving it away for free or doing it was a spec work episode so i talked about spec work right I think actually that we are more undermined by proprietary formats than by spec work. I think proprietary formats hurt the creative industries more than than spec work ever will. Because because you're you're literally locked into a tool and if you don't have that tool or the company that makes that tool goes belly up, you can't open your files anymore. You have no access to the stuff that you've made, right? And that blows that's a horrible way to be and that's why that's why that's why open like not even just open source tools are great but if you even if you're working in a proprietary tool chain having open formats that you that that can assure interoperability down the road it's 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 really important at least it is to me so there there is a challenge if you're a freelancer on that front, if you're if you're a freelance animator and all you do is animate, you're not you're not modeling, you're not sculpting, you're not. Uh, and I'm talking on the 3D side of things. If you're if you're a freelance 3D animator, then it's going to be very difficult for you to use open source tools if you're just doing animation because the interchange formats for that, quite frankly, suck. And even if they didn't, a lot of company even if they didn't suck, a lot of companies have their own in-house tools that are as good as being proprietary, so you're trying to export to whatever they are is going to be a pain in the ass, which means you're going to have to use whatever the tool set is. You're going to have to animate in Maya. You're going to have to uh, do sound design and Pro Tools. And But you can be... Again, this is there's there's no better time to be a creative. We have there are so many there's so many spaces where create there is a demand for for creative content 
to be produced that you can choose your customers. You can say, you know what? We have on some level the luxury of being able to use free tools, free, open, free and open source tools and choose to work with customers that align with, with how we like to work. That's, that's not out of the question. That is a possibility. And, and it, it's no less lucrative than, than, than working with proprietary tools, at least not, not my experience. And I've been doing this for a while, so I, I'd like to think that my experience is worth something. Anecdotal though it may be, it's not exactly a scientific test, but I'm not the, I, I've, I've been able to do it for, for quite some time now, and 15 years, something like that, no? close to it in any case I've been I've been doing it for for a while and I'm not the only one so there's there's something to be said for that now those are those are that so that's on the on the making a living with content that you create for for other people and I think that's again the most the most common and likely it's the most common because it's it's as challenging as as that is it's still the most easy again regardless of whether using open source or proprietary tools, doing creative work where, you're, where the content you're creating is for somebody else is, as a service to them, is the more common case and it's, it's, it's the easier road to take. And, but of course, you know, every, I can't say every, there's, there's I've met a few people who, who, who don't have this in their mind, but there a lot of, creative mindset people, a lot of creatives. I'm so weird about using that as a, as a noun, but eh, whatever. A lot of creatives, uh, a lot of creative people have that, that mindset of, of, man, wouldn't it be great if I could earn a living making my own content? If, if, if the things, if the things that I make that come out of my own head, that, that are the things that I want to make were, were popular enough to to support me, wouldn't that be fantastic? I think I, there, I, I think that's that's one of those things where where given given any other option, the the majority I'll say the majority of of people who who who, are, who produce creative content that's visual, audio, written, any of these things, all of us would much rather be making our own stuff. Again, I can't say all. Most of us would much rather be be making our own our own things, but that's that's the challenge, right? That's again, regardless whether you're using open source or proprietary tools, that's the challenge. Now, now the real this is where where you know the, this is a, if we're looking at this as a spectrum, right? Then then you have a spectrum of of flexibility. It's a freedom spectrum, let's say, and the more the I started at the, the more constrained side of things. You have the least amount of, of creative and personal freedom producing content for other people and, and working for other people to the point that you may be required not to be able to use your, the tools you like to use and that would suck. But again, I think it, it's, we're, we're at a point now where, where if we choose to use open source tools, there's still work to be had for us, which is great. But as you move down, move along, not down, as you move along the spectrum, you, you gain freedom. It gets more challenging to make it, to, to, to earn a living, to make, a, to make a living, but you gain more freedom. And you might argue 
you, you gain more personal fulfillment if you can afford to eat. <laughs> that's, that's, the, that's the quandary, that's the challenge, right? That's, that's what makes it so, so difficult, but also so interesting. All right, so you're, you're, you're making your own content. Now, at this point, nobody cares what you used to make it. They just care, all they care about is what you're making is good. They, they, if you're, if you're producing, and again, this is where you're definitely more in the realm of, of the entertainment industry of, ah, I can't even say the, 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 the advertising industry. This is where you're almost exclusively in the realm of entertainment. There, there's, there's, there's an educational side of this that, that I'll talk about in a, in a little bit, but the, the, if you're producing your own content, if you're producing your own creative content, then it's going to be for the enjoyment of others. And that, that, that puts you square in the entertainment field. And that's regardless of whether you're doing music or animation or, or film or video or, or writing books or poetry, right? You, you, yeah, you might be making, making a statement, an artistic statement at some point, but it's, it's, for, the, it's for the enjoyment and fulfillment of, of, of other people. And that, that is entertainment. I don't care if, if, you, I don't care if you are making a, a, a statement with your art, you're still communicating and ultimately entertaining people. You might be entertaining their intellect, but you could also be entertaining their goofiness. <laughs> so that's, that makes it, you're, now you're competing with, 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 with everybody in the entertainment industry. But the, beauty, the beautiful thing is that, again, we're, we're, we're living in a time where every niche has exposure. If, if, if you're interested in something, you are part of, you're not the only person in that audience. Now, for some things, you, there might be three people. <laughs> in that audience and as a business person you have to you have to make those considerations but in 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 general if you can if you have an interest then other people have that same interest and the challenge is just finding those people and getting your your creative content in front of them now this is where this ties into last episode a little bit a little bit more I think because now we're going to talk about we talk about how you make a a living this way, right? And for the most part, assuming you're 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 doing, you're handling your IP with all rights reserved, right? You're doing a, a all rights reserved kind of scenario. Then there's a number of different routes you can take, and and basically at, the, at that point, because nobody cares about the tools you make, your options and your strategies are nearly identical to what anybody would use with, with closed tools, right? You create your work, and then you spend some time developing your audience, doing, you, you know, you have to learn about marketing, you have to learn about business, and you have, and you have to execute on, on all three of those, right? You have to be effective at executing your creative work that you create, you, you produce. You have to be, so yeah, the, uh, let me rephrase it. I'm stumbling over my words. You have to be effective at creating your, you have to be effective at producing your creative work. You have to be effective at marketing that work, finding the audience that, that your work appeals to. And you have to be effective at monetizing your work, getting that audience to give you money for that content, for that stuff you've produced. That's the that's the challenge. I mean, that's and that's an age-old challenge, right? I mean, the, this is this is the thing that every band and music group 
indie music group has been trying to do for decades. And now it's just gotten some, the audience base has, has, has brought into the point where it's not just about touring bands or fine artists getting in galleries. Now it's, it's, it's more about, you know, whatever your medium is and finding whatever your audience, audience is. It's, and it's those same, it's those same problems, same, same solutions. You produce as great a work as you can and be a part of that community, right? The, the people who are interested in the type of, it's best if you're producing work that you're personally interested in. Sounds obvious, but you want to be involved with that community. If you're on the writing side of things, so you're writing stories and you're writing mysteries and thrillers, but you're not in the community of people who talk about the latest mysteries and thrillers that they've read, then when you have something to produce there, it's going to be harder for you to approach that, that, that audience with any credibility. It's just naturally more difficult to, to, to find your audience if you are not part of that audience. Now, granted, there, there, are, there are some facets where, where you are deaf, because there are some cases where by, by virtue of the fact that you produce content, you are not in your own audience. People who consume content are not always the same type of person as people who produce content. That's that's just kind of the way it is. But that's not exclusively the case. And if you can be part of those communities, if you can be part of the the, the community that consumes that sort of thing, one, you know exactly, you have a much stronger idea of what they're looking for. And two, you, you know the places where where they hang out. And so that makes it so it's easier to market to that group. And that, I mean, again, these are, these are, these are standard things that for, for anybody who's creating content and, and producing, producing creative work. Now the challenge, if you happen to want a greater level of freedom in terms of similar to, to open sources, software freedom, that, that you're, we're talking more about information freedom, right? Then there are some other strategies you can use for what I'm talking about here is, is open open content licenses, which is what I was talking about last last week. And that's a much much more challenging thing. And I'm uh, to be quite frank, I'm I'm still trying to figure out how how that one works or the best way to make that one work. And some of it, again, some of the strategies don't differ all that much from the 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 closed content form. Where the difference is is and how you can leverage derivative works. And I, I didn't talk about that too much at this, at this point, but so you're talking derivative, like if, if, you're, if you're producing all rights reserved content, you can license what you've produced to other people and they will pay you money for the right to create derivative works from it. If you produced a movie and somebody wants to write a book adaptation of that movie, they license the right for that from you pay you some sum of money for the license to do it and they go off and, and write it and depending on whatever sort of contract deal either they pay you royalties or it's a flat fee i mean that's that's that becomes a contract negotiation thing but the point is that with a closed content model derivative works because your 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 the one thing you've made isn't just that one thing it's also a source of income from from leveraging that intellectual property as if it were property, reselling it, licensing it, those sorts of things. And it's, that's a complex topic and, and really not enough 
people in the creative fields understand how they can take advantage of their 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 intellectual property rights with the things they create because it's it's just not something at the at the fore of mind. It's not it's not not something you think of when you're when you're you're making your movie or you're writing your book. You're you're making your movie and you're writing your book and you want people to 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 read that, and enjoy it, and pay you money for that thing. You're not thinking, well, I mean, if I if I if I translate this into another language, then people in the other language can read it and 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 those sorts of things. Now there are complications in marketing to other languages, but that's those are the sort of things that are you can do with a closed content model that are more challenging. I'm not gonna say you can't do them with open content, but it's more challenging to make money on that front if, if, if you allow anybody to make those derivatives. But the other part of that is that we live, and this, this is kind of a, a, a weird, a weird uh, approach to this, because we, we, in addition to being in such a great time to be a creative and, and having so, many, so much exposure to, to whatever your niche audience might be, we're all, we've also grown into a society that doesn't understand and by extension doesn't necessarily respect intellectual property. I think that people who produce open content and people who, who work with open source tools have a greater appreciation for intellectual property rights than, than most of your, 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 your common public. Because we've chosen a particular license, we've chosen a, a level of openness and that requires, by, by choosing it, it, it requires us to at least have some level of, of understanding, to be informed about open content, about, about copyright, about these sorts of things. Hell, most people you walk in the street don't know the difference between copyrights, patents, and trademarks. They'll just sort of use them interchangeably, and that's wrong, 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 wrong. And, mo- and I'm pretty sure that most of the people in this audience know that's wrong. <laughs> because we've, we've chosen open source tools. We, 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 we've, we've chosen that that route and so we have a sort of it's 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 an occupational hazard of 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 understanding intellectual property law right we 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 may not understand it fully and it's not like any it's not like most of us are lawyers most of us probably aren't because we're making creative stuff we didn't go to law school or any of those sort of things but because of the tools we've chosen we we understand understand more about intellectual property than than i think most people do and especially most artists don't don't understand intellectual property nearly nearly enough so we have an advantage on that front but if you want to look at it as a disadvantage if you're trying to produce open content we're, we're sort of bitten in the ass a bit because we 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 don't we're choosing to put this stuff out there, make it freely available. That said, this does play to our, our advantage in one regard. Because <laughs> most people don't understand intellectual property law, and by extension have no respect whatsoever for it, piracy is a big thing. Or at least piracy, I won't say it's a big thing. Piracy is a thing. People in the entertainment industry think it's a big thing, but piracy is a thing. And a lot of that comes from the fact that People don't understand and don't respect intellectual property rights. Where this plays to our advantage as people who use open source tools and specifically as people who produce open content is that because most people don't understand intellectual property and a lot of people pirate intellectual property, there's still, even though, even, even, even with piracy, people buy things, right? The people, people will purchase video games, they will purchase movies, they will purchase right, uh, subscriptions to, to uh, Netflix to watch television programming. They'll buy cable, 
<laughs> to have access to that content, even though that they can get it for free. So what that tells me is that if we're producing content that's that's under a, a permissive license, so we're producing open content, then a lot of the strategies that, that, that you would use for closed content, be it derivative works, be it direct sales, be it any of those things, I'm, I'm of the mind that you could actually still make a living selling that content. You could make a living selling that, the derivatives of that. But a, well, a cynical person would say that you can make money off of people's ignorance of intellectual property law. Right, and that's 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 the cynical way of putting it is that because people don't know that they can get it for free, they will pay you. That's the argument that some people will use for something like like the um, the blender market. Nearly everything that's on the blender market, especially when it comes to the the add-ons, they're all under permissive lessons. They're under under the GPL. And I can't necessarily say that for for models or texture packs or or anything like that. But but for add-ons and for the code that's there that's that's all open under the gpl and people will still buy those add-ons on the blender market even though they can absolutely get those add-ons for free elsewhere and they do that for two reasons again cynically they don't know any better they expect to pay therefore they pay but also you create goodwill and this is something that that you actually don't get on the closed source model from pirates, you don't get goodwill from 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 suing pirates, <laughs> right? So, by saying this is under an open license and anybody is freely available, you know, anyone is freely allowed to redistribute this content as per the stipulations of of my license, then that opens up goodwill for for what you've created, especially within your audience. Now, the question of derivatives, the question of derivatives is is a, is a tricky one specifically for things like translations and things like film rights. Translations, I think I, but this, so when it comes to written content, translations, I, I know that translations are actually hard to market. So if I would just talk about the closed content books that I've written, the nonfiction stuff that I've written, Blender for Dummies. Blender for Dummies has been translated into at least three different languages that I'm aware of. The benefit of a publisher on that front is that they also can market they have experience in those those markets and can approach, say, the French version of, they can do the translation of the French version of Blender for Dummies and they can talk to people who speak French about it. They can market to them because they, they have those resources. Me personally, when I publish something, if I were to translate it into French or if I were to translate it into German or any other non-English language, because embarrassingly, I only really know English well. Every other language I... I basically speak remedially, like really poorly. <laughs> For any other language, I would, I would not be able to go to a a, a German or French community of, of science fiction readers and pitch my story to them because I don't speak those languages. So by if I were to, if I were to allow an open content license for a derivative work for somebody else to make that translation, I'm not. I can't really say that I'm, I'm missing out on a market because I can't service that market anyway. I don't have, I don't have the skills or 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 the bandwidth, frankly, to 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 do that. So maybe maybe that means that the the book itself never gets translated, and that means that that audience never gets to experience a book. You see this a lot actually 
in the um, fan subs communities for anime. A lot, there's a lot of anime, a lot of Japanese animation, Korean animation, a lot of non-English animation that's out there that people who speak English exclusively, like myself, would never be able to fully appreciate were it not for these communities of people who do fan subs, or they, they will get the original audio for the, for the, for the, for the, the show and they will do the job of translating it, producing the subtitles for it, and then redistributing it with subtitles. There, there are large, there are shows that have large English-speaking followings that they otherwise wouldn't have if it weren't for fan subs. And I think that's sort of where my mind is writing in terms of like the translation side of things. Film rights is a, is, a, is a slightly different thing, but I mean, hell, it's so rare for for like and again, I'm, I'm going from the writing to, to film something it's so rare for for somebody who to to want to do a a film adaptation of any story right it's just a tough thing it doesn't happen very frequently as much as it, when it does happen it gets publicized a lot but there for every one of those there are a million different books that never get or short stories that never get changed into films. It's just the that you know, it's a numbers game. That's just that's just the way it is. And at the same time, the 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 flip side doesn't happen frequently either. Case in point, the open movie projects that have been produced by the Blender Institute. I know that the the content of of those films, the 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 source files, the 3D models, the rigs, the characters, those things have actually been reused in other projects. I've seen that. That's that's great. Hell, I've, I've actually used, I think I did an, anima an animation where I needed a flower and Big Buck Bunny has tons of flower models that were perfectly in the right style for what I needed. So that got used. Beautiful. Great. That's, that's what that, what, that's what, that is what that is there for. However, nobody's redone any of those stories. Nobody has taken the, the story from Tears of Steel the, the visual effects film and remade it in a different medium. No one has, has made that visual effects film as an animation, as, as a purely animated piece. No one has taken Sintel and, and changed it into a short story or a, uh, and I've seen somebody make, do Sintel as a video game. So there, there are some, some attempts at doing some of these things, but it's very rare. It's like the, the, the number of the number of times where people haven't made those derivative works when it's perfectly legal to when it's perfectly available to, to have it done no one's taking advantage of it and I, part of me thinks that's a shame because the content's there the content's available it's, people should be using it for that sort of thing uh, and the, the, sad, the sad truth is that things like Big Buck Bunny and Kamenandes and, and whatnot, they're, they're used mostly not a lot of the time that content is used to market AV equipment that can produce 4K because it's so hard for these companies to find royalty-free things to display their hardware, right? That's where a lot of that stuff happens. It's a little unfortunate that, that there aren't enough people taking advantage of the fact that this is open content, but that I think that also means that, from my perspective, releasing something under an open content license isn't as detrimental from a business standpoint as, as it might appear on paper, as it might appear on first blush, that they, oh, well, you're giving all your rights away. You can never make money from it. Or people will, will, will steal the idea and, and, and they'll make money from it. 
I think the the possibility of that happening is it's very remote, and so it it's a. I, I, I'm stumbling over my words here because I'm having a difficult time trying to trying to trying to put them in, into the right words. But I think that that's the 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 danger of just like I think the the danger of of losing income to to piracy of of creative work is is overblown and 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 more than one would more than what you should uh, expect. I think the 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 potential danger for 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 losing income I'm putting that in, in air quotes from from licensing your stuff as open content uh, I, I think I don't necessarily think that you're leaving money on the table that way because a lot of the time that, that never gets you no one ever leverages that no one ever takes advantage of it and, and so I think it's not necessarily going to hurt from a business standpoint now the other I will add the other facet to this from a how do you make money with open source as an open source creative? The the other part of this is getting using using one piece of content to generate other forms of work, and this is a classic model. So it's it's not necessarily anything new, but you know people who are in on the creative front who are who are enterprising will do this all the time. You know you 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 write a good book, you make a good animation, you make good three D models, you. You're, you're good at painting. People naturally, you know, one of the questions people ask is, how do you do that? And so if you have any, if, if you have any affinity for teaching, for public speaking, for writing nonfiction, yet, but specifically the teaching, whatever form you, you want to teach in, if you have any affinity for, for, for sharing that kind of information with people, then all of a sudden, You've got another another income stream, another potential, I should say, another potential income stream. You 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 produce great work. People want to know how you did it, so you produce a a how-to on on how you did it. You know, you 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 hold workshops teaching people how you did it, right? That that's a a very tried and true method for 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 being. A creative person and making a living just as a creative person and it's especially useful I believe as an open source creative because not only can you say this is how I did it but I did it with these tools that anybody can get for free and that's that is powerful marketing from an for educational uh, content is I'm just not, I'm not just showing you how to do something i'm showing you how to do it and i'm giving you the means with which to do it and that's that's really really useful so i think that that sort of is the additional factor on there is is trying to think about other avenues that you produce creative content and your your work produces some level of of income on its own and then by virtue of of being out there by by virtue of having work out in the wild that people can see you can create opportunities for yourself you know if you're making your own content then your content immediately becomes marketing material if you're interested in doing freelance or it becomes your portfolio and resume material if you want to work for somebody in a larger company and you want to create your own content on the side as supplemental income that's a perfectly viable way of doing it or if you have, like, after last week's episode, there's a great article on on 
uh, David Revois, very cool French illustrator who works exclusively with open source tools. He makes some level of income from his Patreon uh, subscribers who subscribe to his, his webcomic and that generates freelance work for him as well. That, and, then, and then I believe he also holds workshops and, and does trainings for people to do work like he does. So that provides you, you with an ecosystem of income. And I think if you are truly looking to do, to make a living as a, as a, as a open source creative, then some combination of these things is, is what's necessary to, to make that income and to, uh, well, to keep yourself sane because you got to do personal work to maintain, at least I, for me, I always have to be doing some, some kind of personal creative project to maintain my sanity. No matter what I'm doing commercially for other people, I still have to have my own personal project and, and as I release those personal projects, that, that just serves to market myself better as, as, as a creative person. So, yeah, that about does it. I, I have actually, I arrived at the end of my commute a good five minutes ago, I think. So I've, I've spoken well over my time and I've been sitting here parked in my car just talking to you, which is kind of cool, but I really should, uh, should get inside and, and get to work. And that's the end of the show. How'd I do? Did I miss any ways to make a living as an open source creative? What, did I give a fair listing of, of, of ways to be doing? I think so. But if you've got any good examples of other ways to do it, or even better, examples of other people who are doing it right, definitely toss them at me. As always, if there's something I say that strikes a chord, you can make a comment on it on the podcast section of my website. That's monsterjavaguns.com slash podcast. Or you can track me down. Again, I'm Jason Van Gumster. I'm on your favorite social media site. Just look for Monster Java Guns. And then you can tell me what you think there. I also have an email newsletter. It's a plain text light traffic thing that goes out about once a month, and that's where you'll get an early in on knowing anything I'm going to be up to. You can subscribe to that on the sidebar of my site as well. All right. Now it's time for you to get to work. See you around. Thank you.